listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBT plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Nancy and talking about her adoption journey. Hi Nancy. Hi there. Thank you for joining us. It's really nice to have you. It's nice to be here. It's going to be going to be fun chatting adoption, I think. It's really interesting. I've met some really interesting people doing this and loads of things that they say resonates, even when their story is a bit different to my own. How did you arrive at adoption? I guess originally when when my wife Jen and I were thinking about starting a family, we started pursuing a kind of a fertility treatment route and there was nothing about that that was difficult or upsetting. I know it can be very difficult and upsetting for for a lot of people, but it just didn't quite feel right. And and, um, I remember having a conversation when I said, where we were walking kind of down the road and I said to Jen, I was like, "Mm, I don't think this is is right for us. And I think we both had that realisation then. We both have families where kind of being biologically related is, is is not a big deal for us and, and mm. never was and so I think that's the point at which we started to read more research more joined new family social just to kind of try and think about well what would adoption look like for us yeah it's quite a lot of information at first isn't it and it felt to me a bit like a lot of it was really negative that's what I found at first I think there was a lot of really negative information. There was a lot of stuff that was about, I guess, I mean, it was a few years ago now for, for me. So uh, so our eldest son, Nene, is, is nine now. So it would have been kind of 11 years ago. And I think a lot of the information about what it meant to be an LGBTQ adopter was really still responding to kind of the previous era, if that makes sense, where where it had been very difficult for people from our community to adopt, where perhaps you know, we'd not been able to either get approved or we had been approved and, you know, maybe had had, you know, children placed with us that were, that you know, had experienced a lot of, a lot of challenges. So I think a lot of the information about being an LGBT adopter was very negative. And, and I think there's also just a natural part. And I think it probably is really hard, isn't it, to get this right. I think social workers and people working in adoption fostering naturally want to make sure that potential adopters and prospective adopters really understand the kind of life experiences that their children might bring with them and the effects of those life experiences. But what it does mean is that right from the beginning, you're exposed to a lot of people saying, this is going to be really hard. It's really difficult. Children might kind of have all of these different challenges. So it kind of, I think that can... In those two ways, I remember there being quite a lot of information that was about what could go wrong and maybe not as much information about what it what it looked like when it went right, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I found that. I found that very early, the kind of dream of family and parenthood is beaten out of you with all these horrible facts and figures. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned was that your child won't have all the problems. You know, it's yeah, going to have some of I think of them. there's a lot, isn't there, about about when, when you become a parent. And I, I suspect it's not that different when you be, when you become a birth parent or when you go through surrogacy. You know, you have a fantasy. We all have fantasies about what it's going to look like to be in a family and to be a parent. And that is not what it's going to look like to be a parent or be in a family or have children. (laughs) I think that's probably universally true for everybody. I think Jen and I didn't have this kind of we didn't have a sort of super rosy. It's all going to be a walk in a park. It has to be just like this view of having a family. And I think my own experience of knowing 
adopters and indeed knowing knowing people having children biologically over the years I think the people who struggle most to, to adjust are often people that have got a really fixed idea about what it means to to be a parent and I, I think it helped us that we didn't have that really fixed idea but I do understand why why social workers feel that they need to kind of shake us out of our preconceived notions of, of parenting and of what our children and who our children are going to be right yeah, I agree with that completely. I think I felt that the tone back then, because I was doing it at around the same time that you were, was that you could adopt despite being LGBT+. <laughs> not because of it, not that it brought anything good, but OK, we are now willing to overlook yeah, this. Yeah, I, I, you know, and if you were lucky, and I think we, I mean, we, on, in many ways, we had a pretty good, in the sense of quick, amongst other things, process both both times we adopted actually but I you know had to have a lot of conversations about it's not even kind of despite being LGBT I still had conversations that not that I said this at the time because I wanted I wanted to get a nice a, a nice assessment report right um, but they were pretty homophobic <laughs> you know that, that you were expected to talk about how you you would effectively kind of make up for the fact that your children would be negatively affected by the fact that you in my case that you're a lesbian and, you know, and I think that there was a lot of kind of, lip, you know, lip service to being inclusive, but actually it was seen as a deficit, not not just as a kind of neutral, not even as a neutral, still less a kind of an active good in a child's life. But at the same time, we we definitely were lucky to work with social workers who kind of liked us and thought we would be good parents. So it, it kind of wasn't wasn't all negative, but it definitely didn't feel like being kind of lesbian adopters was seen as an asset let's put it that way I agree with that and I felt there was a lot of gendered assumptions as well we had to sort of talk through tasks oh around the house and <laughs> around parenting and divide them up yeah and the, and the, they were... the level of absolute obsession with what we would call ourselves I remember that I remember yeah. just being like <laughs> what do you mean and they were like well you can't both be called mummy and we were like but we are going to both be called mummy. And then they, then they were like, you know, it'll be too confusing. And it's like, we know a lot of lesbian parents, right? And, and you know, we'll figure out what our kids call us when they arrive and what they choose to call us. And I remember that, that our social work just going, you cannot, right? <laughs> we literally have to put in your assessment, like who's going to be who kind of thing. And so I, I remember all of that kind of, you know, who's doing the work, who's doing the housework, which one of you is, you know, which one of you is is the mum, which one of you is the dad stuff. Yeah. yeah. Very weird. Yeah, that that did seem to be what it boiled down to is who's doing in massive quotes yes. the men's jobs and who's doing yes. the women's jobs. And it really felt that we had to divide that along comprehensible and recognisable yeah. lines. And yeah, that thing about what are they going to call you? It just it came up <laughs> for us as well. And we didn't know the yeah. answer. We, you know, we hadn't figured out every moment of our parenting for the next 18 years yet. We were sort of hoping we we're going to make it up as we went and it was going to be all right. What, what do your children call you? I'm mummy and Jen is mama. So she's American. Okay. That's how that's. And, and, and of course, that's the answer we gave to the social workers. We said, fine, well, she's going to be mummy Nancy. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to be mummy Nancy and she's going to be mama Jen. But it but it stuck. So we're, we're mummy and mama. And I think I, I just think it's interesting, that kind of idea that children will find it confusing. You know, in in, in our family, we would refer to our children's birth mums as their mums as well. So they kind of they rub along mm. fine with four people in their world that, that get called mum without getting confused, you know. 
I agree. And also children have more than one auntie. They have more than one granny. They have more than one brother. We don't melt down about any of those things. I do. I do remember. (laughs) I just do remember the level of insistence, you know, on this, this very clear naming ceremony that we had to have with the social workers prior to even being considered for adoption. Yes, it's so so funny what what sticks and yeah, absolutely. And so you obviously went through the process and you were approved. Were there any particular barriers that you felt you faced or bumps that you overcame? I think I mean the the approval process was pretty straightforward and it was very quick. I mean, I've we've been enormously lucky both in terms of how easy it's been to adopt and how how absolutely easy it is to to love our boys and and be their mums. So so kind of I wouldn't want to kind of over egg any challenges. I think the thing I found hard hardest first time, second time was easier because I was prepared for it was the level of chaoticness. So I loved her dearly, but we had a social worker who would turn up on the wrong days and expect us to be at home for a meeting and and just routinely. And so then and of course you're so desperate for them to like you and think you're good. You don't want to offend them. So of course you don't complain. And so I remember having to really like Mm. tentatively go, well, if it would be helpful at all, um, I could send you like a text just to say, and she was like, yes, please do that. And so I, I adopted this process of like sending the day before and then on the morning of really looking forward to seeing you later at X o'clock kind of thing. So I remember that (laughs) being kind of, Annoying, but also scary because in normal circumstances where people are being chaotic or getting things wrong, you just say, you know, you can address it directly. But the power imbalance was so massive that you feel like you can't say anything even remotely kind of critical. I remember that. I remember reading a draft report and I wanted to correct the grammar (laughs) because I'm that kind of person. (laughs) And I I was thinking, I can't, I can't go through and be that person because it's not going to be welcome. And so it went in as was. And my toes were just embedded in the soles of my feet. I was that tense about it. So tell me about matching for your first child. How was that? And how, how clear were you on what you were looking for and how closely did everything match up? Jen and I, I guess, were relatively unusual in that we had very, very broad matching criteria, right? So the thing that the the, mm. the kind of list that you do of you know what kind of things you would consider and and what kind of things you wouldn't consider or would wouldn't feel kind of confident um, wouldn't feel confident parenting a child with those experiences or those characteristics. And I think pretty much we we didn't rule out pretty much anything apart from. If I remember rightly, we said at the time we wouldn't, we didn't want to parent a child who was, who had a life-limiting illness. But apart from that, we'd be open to anything. And I think when we went, we went into it, we were therefore expecting to end up adopting kind of older children, more complex, um, more complex needs, etc. Because we'd said we were open, yes. open to kind of at least kind of exploring all of those things and we we know that uh, you know not all adopters are and then with with nay with with our eldest actually before we were approved a month about a month before we were approved we were approached about about him and he was not what we were expecting Um, so he was healthy at that time would have been nine month old baby you know simultaneously was completely not what we were expecting and and just the the minute that we kind of read about him, we were like, "This is it." I remember I remember meeting my wife Jen in in a fancy cocktail bar in the days when I still did things like go to fancy cocktail bars, right? <laughs> and she she hadn't had a chance to see any of the emails from the social workers, 
And so she walked up to me and I proceeded to burst out crying. I am not a crier. And oh. and say <laughs> I said to her through kind of complete hysterical tears, I think this is it. I think this is the one. Oh, and, and she was just terrified because she hadn't opened any of these emails. <laughs> and she was like, well, I better feel the same way <laughs> because I've <got laughs> faced with my wife kind of in, in the kind of transports of um, of kind of emotional bonding. So so it was it was very and that very straightforward. So we had um, our approval panel is what it's called, isn't it? The first one. And then a month later, we That's had fine. our matching panel. That's fast then. So not much of a really gap. Really fast. Yeah. No gap. Wow. Really. And how yeah. was it when you first laid eyes on your child? I remember he was wearing, he's very, be- I mean, I know everyone thinks this, but, but <laughs> Nene is very beautiful. And he was wearing this kind of like cream, chunky, fair isle jersey, you know, the oh, classic, know ba- classic baby jersey and dungarees. <laughs> and, and he had these just um, massive massive big brown eyes and I remember just being you know terrified and amazed and I we we spent I spent a lot of time playing with him with this kind of strange caterpillar toy Mm. and he he was a little bit shy but he thought I was funny and he laughed at me a lot and that's that's and I yeah I remember just feeling terrified and incredibly happy and you know, just it's just like time stands still, isn't it? Because you you begin to realise how enormous of a change it is. Most importantly for them, right? You you look at this baby who, um, he you know he'd been he he'd been with Antiglore, he'd been with his his foster mum from birth, and we were about to kind of do this incredibly disruptive thing to him, and you you kind of yeah, I really had a sense of that from the minute I met him. I understand that I. I think in a way your heart almost breaks for them because you're you know yeah. that it's right long term and terribly wrong short term that they're going to really suffer for what you're about to do yeah. and it's just I think yeah. it's really hard that and I guess you just have to keep the faith that it is the best thing long term but yeah that moment is quite difficult as well I think yeah I thought a lot at the time and I did it the same with Thinker when we when we adopted for the second time I just focused a lot on the idea that the you know the job was not was not that your little one you know fell in love with you that's not how that works and you don't fall in love with them although I have to say it was not difficult to to uh to start loving either of my sons the job is that you're safe and so I I tried to really focus on on that like 100% of your job in those early days is not to have expectations about that relationship long term but is to be a good carer and a safe carer for a child that's experiencing a kind of real trauma. Yes. At what point did he start to feel like yours? So, so again, I always feel bad about this because <laughs> we had a really straightforward process. <laughs> he kind of felt like mine from the moment I saw an email with 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 his information in it. And certainly from the moment we, we brought him home, he felt like mine. He didn't ever not feel like mine. But it, I think it took it a lot longer for me to feel like his. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, probably a good few months. He 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 always felt safe with us, which was the most important thing. But, it you know, it takes a while for a child, I think, to to start to form that kind of deeper bond. Yeah, I agree. And also to feel sure in that bond, because obviously their previous yeah. bond disappeared. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. exactly, exactly. 
And so then you decided to do it all over again. Tell me about that. So originally we'd intended to adopt a sibling group and in fact we'd been matched with Nene and an unborn sibling but a birth family member, a kind of distant cousin, had come forward to adopt his his newborn sibling. Mm. So we did. A couple of years later we we had always known that we didn't want to raise an, a, an only child and we both really felt that Nene would really benefit from a sibling and we we kind of went through the whole the whole process again and it was it was really similar I mean we were much better prepared you know for everything from the kind of relative chaos to what the process was like to most importantly we we were parents and had at that point been parents for a good chunk of time and we had like a relatively easy process again and, and again like a pretty quick one so we our whole kind of reassessment went very quickly. There was a, a small gap between approval and matching, but I think it was only like three months. Gosh. It was really short again. I mean, we've been really fortunate. We we actually found Dinka through Linkmaker, mm-hmm. so I th- which I think was founded by the former CEO of New Family Social. You're absolutely right. Yeah, Andy Lee. That's Lee right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, so we had registered on Linkmaker just, you know, ahead of, you know, as we got approved, I think, or right before, right before we got approved. And, and Dinka's social worker contacted us, actually. So we're transracial adopters, both our sons are black. Mm -hmm. And we had said that we, you know, we'd posted our family profile and said that we were specifically looking to adopt a black or, or mixed race black child and that you know was in an age range we didn't want to adopt out of birth order so so we wanted a kind of younger child yeah and the social worker reached out to us and and sent us an email and said we've got someone that we think would would be a really good match for you and I think part of it is that they were really keen for Dinka to to be in a family with a with a sibling and we really wanted a we really wanted a, a child just like Dinka um part of it is also that Dinka has a birth sister that he'd always been in contact with and we've always been really pro as much direct contact as as is safe yes and so I think they really knew and we'd been really clear that we would encourage a, a close familial relationship wherever that was kind of whether where you know wherever that was possible and and so yeah so we got an email and 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 I, I similarly I remember kind of opposite way around I remember saying we've got an email from a social worker about uh, about a, a little baby and and I remember showing my phone to to my wife Jen with his his little chubby face on it and her literally just squealing <laughs> <laughs> and saying that's the one right oh. so so both times the process for us was really was actually really easy it was very stressful obviously but you know having known a lot of adopters and particularly a lot of lgbt adopters over the years you know we were super super fortunate in the process and even more so i mean the boys are just fantastic they are just blessings really oh that's really lovely so how's life been since you've had them because you're saying that your youngest is now six so i know it's been a long old while yeah it's, (laughs) it's been fantastic i mean i like i just love being a mum. Jen and I love being mums together. We love being a four family, we call it. And we have 
just such a great time. I, I've always been someone that gets bored easily and I have not been bored for a minute um, <laughs> since I've become a mum. If only. <laughs> tired, tired frequently, uh, not, not bored at all. And they're just kind of extraordinary people. They're really fun and interesting and and caring and kind of super distinct they're very different from each other but they have a really really close bond so it's kind of lovely to be around them and how they interact with each other it's it's been great I think motherhood suits me it sounds like it does. I can hear in your voice how much it suits you. You mentioned being a transracial adopter, and I am as well. I wonder how you've navigated that and what you've found easy or difficult in that. I guess, I mean, I think that I really appreciate, I guess, and I think I have appreciated more as time has gone on, that it's pretty suboptimal, right, for the child. It would be, uh, I think, kind of having having parents who kind of reflect some degree of your kind of heritage is really important and and so and I think it's so it's the way we've approached it is that it's kind of on us to make sure that our children have like really strong really positive black identities that they're very kind of pro-black if that makes sense yes completely that they've got kind of very wide range of close you know connections friends family that are from kind of their community that we create a really open conversation I mean we have to in our family around discrimination but particularly racism yeah and so you know you can't just rely I think when you're a white parent of of a child of color you you know you're not going to teach them how to navigate the world in a tacit way because you have the privilege of just wandering around cluelessly Mm -hmm. right yeah so you have to really be more purposeful I guess I think that what has been so I think those are those are kind of my kind of broad observations what has been just wonderful is how incredibly supportive the kind of wider black community has been of us you know like I I really you know whether it's kind of close friends and family or just strangers that you meet uh, you know kind of wandering around or on the tube or whatever you know everyone always kind of checks to see that we're doing a good job of of parenting parenting our children I I cane row Nene's hair so everyone always checks to see if his hair is properly cane rowed it's a bit longer <laughs> and then and then I get the nod because I'm acceptable at cane rowing oh, well after done. all of these years <laughs> yeah exactly um and I kind of love that for them you know I really love you know I'm incredibly appreciative of it obviously but I just I love for them that that so many people around them, both people with whom they've got really close relationships and just, you know, our postman or, you know, the builder feel like they've got a stake in Nene and Dinka. And I really welcome that. You know, I like I I think it's been just really kind of amazing and a a real kind of blessing to them. and, And I feel very grateful for it. That's really lovely. So, if somebody was starting out, somebody LGBT plus, what would your advice be? I think, first of all, like, be really honest with yourself about, I mean, this is having started by saying kind of don't be negative and all of that, that uh, <laughs> stuff. Actually, being really honest with yourself about what is you envisage and why you want to be a parent and and what what it means to parent a child who's been removed from their family Hmm. and 
how you're going to support that, you know, how you're going to, you know, create space in your heart for the reality that your child has a family and it's going to have another family as well. Yeah. And none of those, you know, none of those things are ever going to go away and have to be like valued and talked about and focused on. So I think there's just something about really, this is not about you becoming a parent. This is about a child, you know, being adopted and they're the person or they are the people who matter most of all. And I, you know, sometimes people have got a really rosy view of adoption in the sense of they're like, I just want to help. And it's like, if you're doing it to help, no, that's Mm. not what this is about. You know, if you, if, you know, this is, this is about children, it's about actual human beings. And, and so I think kind of really being honest, but really being honest, if you've got a partner or people that are going to support you, really being honest about what, what they are there for and not there for. Yeah. You know, I think it like everybody just being brutally honest, I think is really, really important. And, and then just, it's all right. You know, we're, we're all people. So that's the kind of the, the, the sort of, uh, the sort of negative sounding piece that I think on the positive side, just that, you know, that it's fine. The whole process is not always great, but you'll get through it. You know, you will you will find children that and you will persuade somebody that you get the pleasure of of adopting them. And, you know, we will all grow to love each other and be a family. That's for most of us. That's what happens. Right. And that's not that there can't be difficulties along the way. But when those difficulties hit, I guess when social workers say, oh, then this terrible thing will go wrong. <laughs> What's hard to remember is, but then you will have been a family. You know, if if my children go a bit off the rails when they're in their teens, that would be awful. But I will have been their mum for their whole lives, yeah. you know. And I think that understanding that you will be a family and that you will have bonds and love and kind of the ability to learn together and grow together and that and that kind of if you're lucky in the way that I've been lucky and I would wish everybody to be this lucky you will have just a really wonderful family life together thank you that's so lovely to hear I'd like to, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank my guest today Nancy if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends follow us on twitter at lgbt adopt foster and on facebook search new family social all one word visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk adoption fostering and tea is produced by new family social the presenter was me tor doherty with music from matt doherty the producer was john jenkins we'll be back next week with more guests and more